Hello and welcome to FGC Philosophy. I'm your host, The Philosopher, and this is where we focus on leveling up inside and outside the virtual arena. We do that by talking about topics and having guests on the show that I think can provide some sort of additive to this conversation of always improving. So today's episode, I actually have a, a I can't consider him local, but I think he's part of the Kalamazoo FGC just because he, he comes there very frequently, always showing up, willing to help out. Uh, but I have 40% flash kick today. How are you doing? I am doing wonderfully. How about yourself? So far, so good. So far, so good. Um, I, I think with you, you're unique because you travel like an hour or so, but like you've been putting in the time in terms of uh, getting better. You're always consistently in top like three, top top one, <laughs> at, like, at least Street Fighter, Tekken, uh, Guilty Gear. When you were playing that, you were showing up as well, getting like top three. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I wanted to have you on the show. I've been thinking about it a lot. Now, I will preface this with like, I get very salty when I lose to you sometimes. So I like, I like to be full disclosure. Um, but I think after, you know, having such a long break from going to my locals and thinking about a lot of things um, and seeing your consistent improvement, regardless of the situation, even in the online tournaments, you've been doing very well. Uh, I think it's good to have a conversation and kind of pick your brain in regards to fighting games. Before we get into the specifics, I want to know what introduced you to fighting games and what, what makes you so passionate about it. So playing fighting games when I was uh, much, much, much younger, I didn't have anyone else to play with because, you know, at that time, no one loved fighting games and home consoles. It was all in the arcades, but I was too young to be part of the arcade scene. I didn't really have that kind of competitive environment. That said, fighting games never stopped appealing to me ever since I played the very first one for me being Street Fighter 2 on the SNES. Just the concept was fun, you know? There's a guy who can throw fireballs, that's cool, you know? As I played and tried beating the game over and over on various uh, difficulties with different characters, I started finding out, oh, I like this character more than I like this character. And then you start finding out, oh, if you press the buttons over and over, uh, Chun-Li does the kicks. Or if you're playing Honda, if you press the punches over and over, he does, you know, the hunter hand slap. And you start to realize, oh, uh, what are other moves are there? And so uh, I had the original manual, right? The Street Fighter II little game pamphlet that comes with the game. And it was like, oh, yeah, to do the Hadouken, you have to do this motion and then a punch button. And I was like, whoa, this is really cool and weird. All right, I did it, but nothing came out. Hmm, let me try again. Huh, okay. All right, I'm starting to see it. And then that's when I learned, like, my first ever bit of fighting game knowledge, which was you could do a low forward into a Hadouken. And I held on to that little bit of knowledge for the duration of my time, you know, from childhood to when I actually went to my first tournament. Just regular base Street Fighter 4 on the PlayStation. That little bit of knowledge that I understood, low forward into Fireball Works, was something I took into like online play. I was like, okay, I can do this against real players and that's a real combo and they can't do anything about it. You know, what other what other combos exist? Oh, I could do low forward into Tatsumaki. Wow, that's really cool. You know, just little things that you just kind of explore and figure out just from playing the game from a desire to play the game, you know? Uh, and that's a thing that with the modern fighting game player, you don't have a lot of that. You don't have a lot of players who look at a game and want to explore based on what they have discovered on their own so much as they look at a game and they want to be immediately good so they can be cool like all the cool players who are also immediately good you know mm -hmm. yeah and that makes plenty of sense 
what got me into competitive fighting game in order to stay on topic is in 2010, my friend had discovered Super Street Fighter 4, and he also liked fighting games in the same kind of way that I did, and that he just liked them because they were cool and they seemed they were the closest thing to combat sports without actually being combat sports. And one day we were playing, uh, I'd just gotten the update Super Street Fighter 4. And while we were playing, he was like, hey, you know, you're like really good at this. And I'm like, oh, am I? I'm not that good. And he's like, yeah, yeah, you know, we should go to a tournament. And it's like, what? Tournaments? They have those? He's like, yeah, sure. And uh, I bet if you look one up, you'll find one. And sure enough, we found about uh, found out about console combat over in Ohio. And we were like, oh, wow, that's literally tomorrow. We can go there and play. But it was like a four-hour drive away, right? And being like a 16, 17-year-old with an 18-year-old friend with a car, it's like, I can't do that. I've got school. You know, I've got all this responsibilities and other stuff I got to do. And he said, hey, you know, I'll drive and I'll take care of everything. And uh, sure, I went down, talked to my parents about it. They were like, what? How do you expect to, blah, 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 you know, this and that? And, you know. It's overproductive parent kind of thing. I thought, you know, for sure. Oh, no, they're going to say no. That's the end of the conversation. We're just going to have to go back to playing and whatever. But they actually came back and said, here's $50 and here's a few supplies. Call us every step of the way and make sure you're safe, okay? I'm like, oh, sweet. So I actually got to go to my first tournament with my parents' blessing with a friend who was interested in fighting games. And it was, to me, it was the coolest thing in the world because it's, I'd never gotten to do anything like that. Very sheltered child. Didn't get to go out much. Didn't get to do much. Uh, to be allowed this freedom to go out and, you know, kind of see the world for the first time. I got a lot of my firsts, like, in life uh, from that tournament. It was the first time leaving the uh, state without having parents around. First time uh, playing the games for more than just for fun. Uh, that was the first time I found out girls actually play video games. and i know that for sure because a girl who played blanca kicked the shit out of me at that tournament it was also i found out that the tournament was run in a round robin format uh with several pools in this round robin format so there were about 40 players for street fighter and there were about five pools with eight players per pool player with the two best players with the uh best scores would advance out of the pools a lot of people, you know, the joke is, oh, you know, I, I don't want to go Owen what I, I don't want to go Owen to my first tournament. Yeah, no, I went Owen five at my first tournament. <laughs> it was pretty bad. I cried on the way home. I'm not even afraid to admit that. Yeah, but, I've had some upsets as well. I went three and mm-hmm. zero in a double elimination tournament one time. Go figure that one out. <laughs> so I get it. I get it. <laughs> it's it's pretty rough. Yeah. Um but losing there it showed me so much about the world at large, you know, like, wow, there's a lot more that goes on outside of my room. That's, you know, not only just fighting games, but with life. And it made me want to do more. It made me want to travel more. Uh, I found out about more and more tournaments. I traveled to whatever events I could to play as many games as I could. I went to like local library where they hosted in the basement. I went to uh, county over that's when i discovered elkhart and all of their players it's just like a continuous growth from there the farther i traveled the more people i met and the more friends i made and the more i discovered wow i really don't know anything about fighting games do i from there it was a matter of continuing 
and playing and meeting more people and just this desire that, hey, if I become a better player, I'll meet more people, right? So I mm -hmm. just would play for hours on end. I would run sets with people who were like 10 times better than me and they would play like long, long sets because I know a feeling of pro players sometimes it's weird that they don't sit down and play with, you know, whatever casual fan wants to play with them for extended periods of time. But it wasn't like that when I was uh, younger because players, they just wanted to play. And so a player could be, you know, 10 times better than you, but they'll run 20 sets, 30 sets, 40 sets. Uh, they'll tell you, hey, you know, you need to be doing this or you're not anti-airing enough or I'm taking advantage of this bad habit. They wanted you to be better than them so they could be challenged themselves. And they understood, hey, this guy, he's played with me like for three weeks now and he barely wins ever, but he keeps trying no matter what. And so they start to recognize this is someone who wants to be better. And all it took from my end was just the desire to play and try to accomplish more. Competitive fighting games, I wanted to meet people by being better. I wanted to feel good about playing people who thought of me as a good player, or at the very least thought of me in a way that made them think, oh, hey, that's Flashkick. I want to run sets with him. I want to get his ideas and talk. And because like we're doing right now, you know, the fact you even asked me to do this show with you is like, oh, wow, you know, I must have left an impression. So yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, I, th I think you've left that impression on a lot of people. You've put in the time and like everyone that, that knows you, whether they like it or not, they have to acknowledge that you've put in the time. And, and one of the things that I found very fascinating is how you approach losing. This question was kind of inspired by, uh, I'm sure you can recall the situation, but there was an individual that like, took losing way too hard, in my opinion. I want to wrap my brain around how you approach losing. You know, you, you lost in the tournament like two weeks ago, and I think the last two online tournaments now, you, you've, you've won these. And so how do you approach losing? Like, what do you do? What is your process for that? So losing is a natural process of life, right? Because mm -hmm. losing itself is not an inherently bad thing. It's how you discover this does or doesn't work. When I realize I don't have control of a situation, I begin to panic. And mentally, because I've got autism, I can't control those kinds of thought processes of what do I do? Where do I go? How do I handle such and such, you know? It's a matter of trying to eliminate that feeling, that negativity of the unknown and making it so the next time I'm put in that situation, I do have an idea of what to do or where to go or how to approach a problem. So every time when I lose, I don't like to lose in a competitive setting because there's a lot riding on it for me compared to the average player. Uh, I believe I've discussed this before, but if I wasn't consistently winning and at least making money on the travel expenses, then I wouldn't be able to keep doing it constantly. You know, mm -hmm. it's um, it's personal in that way because I want to see you guys. I want to hang out with you. I want to talk to you. I want to play with you. Uh, but I need to be able to maintain that kind of lifestyle. And in order to do that, I have to be good at what I do. And so that's why I play as often as I do. Uh, that's why I approach losing the way I do. If I don't try to improve, then I am willingly denying myself the community that I've surrounded myself, with, you know? Mm -hmm. And if I think about, you know, the 
possibility of loss, like during a match too much, then it becomes more of an inevitability instead of something that could happen. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm-hmm. It's a delicate procedure because any loss that I take, I try to take it in stride because if I get too hung up on a situation, right? If I think about it too much, then it's, I'm not solving a problem. I'm perpetuating a problem, right? I'm not thinking about, man, if I was only, if only I was better, I'm not, I'm thinking about, I wonder what I could have done differently. That's what leads me to like, try out different strategies, tactics, really basic stuff. Like what if I jumped back in this situation instead of jumped forward? Or what if I pick this V trigger over that V trigger? How does that affect the character I'm fighting? How does that affect how I need to approach the matchup? Mm -hmm. And then it's trial and error until I get it right. I believe when Koble came and played in the tournament uh, a while back, and I lost him in the first round, Honda was just giving me all kinds of crap. And I was like, all right, so I'm here at my computer. I can go into the lab. I'm going to check all of these things that I think are giving me problems. And then when I come back, I'm going to utilize them and, you know, win the fight. And at first when he was like, yeah, I'm going to play Lucia against him, he realized, oh, he knows that matchup. So when he switched back to Honda, I was like, okay, time to apply all the information I've gathered, what works, what doesn't, quickly discard things and hold on to things that do and don't work. It's difficult to do that in the moment because players, when you train them to think a certain way, they're quick to discard a strategy rather than put the strategy on the shelf. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So approaching loss to sum it up, it's a matter of thinking about only enough that you recognize a situation that caused a loss and not dwelling on it to the point of obsession, but contemplating practical application of game tools in order to overcome the situation that you lost. Yeah, to reframe it. It sounds like there's, there's three different parts after a loss. Like there's the, the mental slash emotional side of it where you're processing the loss and trying to figure out, like make sense of it. And you have a couple options of either focusing on the ego and being upset about it, or you can actually make it something useful and figure out like, what did I do wrong? What can I do better? Like, what did the opponent do right? Where can I learn? And then from there, you also have the, the research slash practice side of it where it's like, okay, I'm either going to research it, watch a video, read, talk to somebody, ask questions, and then, and or, uh, practice it in the lab and figure that out. It depends. I would say it depends on the individual. And then the third part is executing that plan in an actual match um, against the same opponent or a similar opponent slash character. And so you have like this process of, okay, you need to make sure your mind's right because you're wasting time and mental energy thinking about like, oh, what was me? You know, this is my fault I lost or whatever it might be, which I get that and it can be hard, but then you have to actually take some time to figure out what like watch the match, whatever it might be. If you can identify it, then like you said, practice it. Uh, and then from there, um, applying it. Agree, disagree? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's mostly that. It's just a matter of the one thing I would say is different is that the ego and the superego that come into play for how you manage the thought process, uh, the ego itself is not necessarily a bad thing, right? Uh, mm -hmm. It's more about the superego, which is the projected idealist version of yourself that you try to live up to. Uh, people tend to think about the loss as a personal attack on themselves because they see the superego, the ideal version of themselves, as someone who shouldn't have lost to that situation, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but what makes the ego is your base desire plus your 
projected version of yourself and then what you put out into the world, right? If the superego is too separated from the self that is, then players take a loss and they disconnect it from themselves. You know, they pin it on the opponent or they pin it on, you know, oh, the game lagged in this one particular instance and the whole game was shot, you know? We've all heard a thousand excuses, but excuses are fine. Excuses are like, if you make an excuse, it's because you're looking for a reason to get back in the ring and keep trying, you know? Um, Mm. But if you're making excuses and then not doing anything about it, that's when you have a problem. If you're just saying, oh, I'm good, it's fine, I lost because he was too random or something, then that's not a statement of self-improvement. That's a statement dismissing why you lost, and then you're actively choosing not to grow from it. If you do have this ideal version of yourself that you're trying to live up to, then the ego should take in the new information, and you should use your superego as a motivation for projecting that ideal self into the world. If you lose, it's something that happened to the self that you see. It's not something that actively affects the self that you're trying to be. You know what I mean? A lot of people don't know the term superego, so I usually tend to avoid it and just use the general term of ego. But that is a really good differentiator of, of the two. And I, I kind of encourage, I encourage people to actually look up the difference. And uh, I, I want to put a link in the description so that people can actually look up because that is an important aspect to learn because if you're having this issue where you're not being productive because i I hear people saying this character is overpowered i've I've come across a lot of people who get like very angry and they're not adjusting to the situation or or asking questions or anything like that and everyone learns a little bit differently so that is that is the thing for me i tend to just like i want a bunch of matches and then i will go watch the matches or something like that or until something clicks Uh, because a lot of times if people keep giving me advice I'll, i'll get too overwhelmed uh, by the information rather than trying to just teach myself to uh, pay attention to it. That doesn't mean you can't take information or take questions. You should always, uh, if you're in the right mindset, take that information. But it, it is, for me, it's important right now to to like look at, figure out things on my own rather than always trying to seek out that help because I had that phase where I was always trying to rely on somebody else for information rather than teaching myself to identify it. And that made me weak in adjusting on the fly. And I, I would say I'm still very weak in that area. From my point of view, it's always important to try to look at it from a point of view of how can how can this loss be something useful? Like me and you played a set of, of first to ten. I think I might have only won one time. I knew going into it, I was going to lose. I was like, you know what? I need to start. I don't play any kages online. Like you're the only kage I, I play. So I'm like, well, I want more matches because just tournament isn't good enough. And honestly, like I'm not going to enter these tournaments right now just because I want to focus on making sure the tournaments happen. And so I was like, okay, let's do that. And now I can go back and watch those matches and, and I go into the lab and actually try to practice the things that I can see. Uh, I'm not going to see everything, uh, but I will try to practice the things that I know that I can try to do something about. And I have in the past done those things and then you adjust to it. So it's like this revolving door of people adjusting to things and, and making new tactics. Uh, but that does get me into the topic of, of lab work, which we've touched on a little bit, but I'd like to see if you have any specific examples of what you do. Uh, because for myself and a lot of other people, Going into the lab can be a very vague term or like labbing it out. Uh, that's to people who understand what to do, that's really easy to understand. But for people who are trying to get into lab work and, and doing specific things to deal with uh, something very specific or, or strengthen a certain skill, like what, what examples do you have in terms of going into the lab, doing A, B, and C to get the result? 
Well, the simple thing to start with is you have to make sure that whatever you're trying to figure out, you are actively approaching the game with all of the tools at your disposal. And what that means is understanding everything your character can do, not just what's unique to them, but what is universal to the game. Everyone can jump, everyone can backdash, everyone can walk forward, you know? So when there's a situation that is unfamiliar to you, people tend to think, oh, if I press buttons, what, where, what are the buttons I can press to fix this situation? You know, what is the special move I can throw out? What is the so on and so forth? But they don't ever think, can I move? Can I back jump? Can I forward jump? When you see me escape from the various uh, Aegis reflector setups that I've had to fight against in these past couple tournaments, it's always a matter of, oh, I didn't think he could do that when people are watching because it's they don't understand that something that looks harrowing and scary and difficult isn't harrowing, scary, and difficult if you are prepared to be in that situation. You just have to go into the game and make sure that starting from the ground up, you start with universal mechanics and then slowly layer it on with your character. And then on top of that, layer it on with player behavior. Then you can start to understand what you can do in those various situations. Because a player will always use their tools at particular ranges or off of certain situations. And once you see that, you can start to recognize, hey, I think I've been here before. And then you can respond more uh, adequately to the situation rather than just letting the opponent get away with certain aspects. If you've ever paid close attention to how I play Orion uh, against Orion, you'll notice that I'll do a lot of neutral jumping and a lot of jumping back, right? And have you ever asked yourself why I do that? I would assume it's the bait out the headbutts or, or like some of the chariot tackles, but I don't know. Yeah, it's the EX chariot tackle because that's the primary way that they like to activate V-Trigger, right? Because it's such a good anti-neutral tool, it is something that you have to be actively looking for. A good Orion player will notice this and he'll he'll hold back. You know, he'll wait for you to land or he'll, uh, he'll try to do something like uh, just walking back or forward, or instead he'll use the EX uh, knee drop to force his way in instead. And then he'll just use one of his buttons to activate. But I know this, right? Because I'm aware of this, when I land, I throw out a jab, or I'll throw out a crouch medium punch. And if they chariot tackle anyway, then I'll hit them. If they don't do anything, then that button is a buffer in case they do go for like that EX knee drop, and then I'll uppercut it. And you've seen me uppercut the EX knee drops. It's not yeah. easy, but it's because it's a variety of different situations that are playing out simultaneously in my head that I'm preparing for mentally. And if the opponent is aware that I'm aware, then their behavior changes. But I would have never been able to layer all of that had I not simply gone into the lab and realized, hey, if you neutral jump Urian's chariot tackle, you get a free punish. And that just starts from the basic, if by neutral jump, then this is my option. Okay, so I want to try to like visualize that a little bit. I would go into the training mode, pick my character, right? Pick Urian mm -hmm. as a dummy, or even vice versa if I wanted to get like kind of crazy and learn how the character works. And so say that it's the dummy, and I'm playing as Fong or, or Kage. Uh, I set him to do the chariot tackle, maybe various versions, but start simple. Like just do the EX version first, 
um, from the right from the appropriate range as well. You know, maybe watch a match or two to see how Urine does it. Um, set him to do that, and then from there I start practicing my neutral jump. Or I can even have him neutral jump then cherry tackle to work on the timing first, so that I can understand what I can do at what timing. And then neutral jump punish. Okay, well now I kind of got the timing of how long the animation is after, like the recovery animation, stuff like that. Well, not every Urian is going to just let you do that afterwards. They might, they might do something else. So uh, from there, what you might do is chariot tackle, they might recover or they might wait. You might stagger their chariot tackle a little bit then go in afterwards. So what would option two be after you're playing a Urian that knows that you're gonna neutral jump? Like what would you program the dummy to do? Then you would start to program the dummy to act as though a player would, right? And that's simply by filling dead space, which is like, you know, frame kills and stuff with jabs and so on. And then having the dummy do, like you said, a delayed carry tackle after you jump, or you would program the dummy to do like a crouching jab, a pair of those, and then suddenly he does the EX knee drop instead, you know? You respond to each of these things in turn. You don't have to train yourself necessarily to hardcore respond to every single situation so much as you have to recognize how the situation can plan out visualize it and then choose the appropriate response for the situation yeah almost like familiarizing yourself with it yeah because no no good player will ever do the exact same thing over and over again unless you've shown that you have no capacity for stopping them you know mm -hmm. if you want to train yourself against a good player in the lab you train yourself to visualize the situation from their perspective as well as your own. A player inherently fears an opponent who walks forward when they don't have a life lead or neutral jumps and holds down back when they do have a life lead because the first one says that despite having a life loss, they feel they can still fight you. Okay? Mm -hmm. And... You've seen my pixel comebacks. They're fucking things of legend, right? Because <laughs> they are, they're so brave. You would never think a player with no health would play like this because why? Why would he do that? Why would he make those decisions? It's because in my head, I've already played out the whole situation. I know exactly what I need to do. And if it plays out the way I've, you know, seen it in my head, then I'm going to win because. The opponent has a finite set of options in that sequence to choose from. And if they choose wrong, then they'll get hit. And every time they get hit, a player starts to panic a little bit when a character with no life starts to you know, make a comeback. If they can manage to stay calm under that same pressure, then it makes it much harder for me because either the easy thing happens and they sneak a jab in somewhere I wasn't expecting and I get KO'd anyway, or the much smarter defensive thing happens and they decide, hey, you know, I could backdash here or I could try to jump back in a way, but instead I'm just going to block this or I'm committed to breaking the throw. If they make like a, a in the moment decision like that, suddenly neutral gets reset and me with my pixel of health, I can't do anything. You know, there's the sequence has been broken now it's anyone's game. It's it's like a scramble, but nothing's happening. You know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. it's mental gymnastics of we're back in neutral. What will he do? What should I do? How do I approach this situation now? I don't have a knockdown to work from. I don't have any points of 
how to assess the situation anymore because he's gone ahead and made it that I can't put him in a guessing situation or I can't do anything to force my way back in again without taking another big risk on my part. It just becomes a matter of, do I know this player well enough to make a decision here that will put me back in a winning position? And if I do, I have to bet the farm. You know, I have to say it's either going to play out this way or I die here and I go for it. A good example of this was when I was playing against Seoul in the last tournament. The games were very, very back and forth. We were both doing these mental gymnastics the entire time of, is he going to DP here? Is he going to throw break? Is he going to fall for the shimmy? And just back and forth and back and forth over and over. There were games where he got a perfect or there were games where I got a perfect. Then there were games where we both had no health left and... I made the 1,000 IQ play of I'm going to throw EX Fireball despite knowing that he wants to use his EX uh, Cannon. Uh, which one is the ground one? Cannon Spike? Oh, the drill. Oh, uh, yeah, the drill. Yeah. So, so knowing he could do that and kill me, I'm going to throw this anyway because I'm far enough away that he's going to whiff it right in my face. And so I did it, and he did exactly that. And... He landed right in front of me and without missing a beat, crouch, medium punch, stand, medium punch, full confirm, you know, those kind of decisions are decisions you make because you think to yourself, I know you well enough. I know you're looking for something. I'm going to bait it. You're not going to expect it because the thing that's worked a thousand times for you is going to lose in this one situation. It's all based on those layers that I talked about. When you go to the lab, you start with your basics of movement. How can you move to escape a situation? Then you move on to what can your character do to escape the situation? And then after that, what do players want to do in that situation? And because I knew what his character was capable of, what he was looking for, and what I was able to do, because all I did was simply walk back into the corner into the point where that move was going to whiff. And he walked back too at that exact moment. And then Kage did the fireball animation. He thought he'd zip through it and take me out, but that was not the case. I think a lot of other people are going to benefit from that as well, because I see a lot of people really not utilizing the lab as much as they should be and, or could be, and they, they don't benefit from it by not doing that. So I think having that breakdown is very, very beneficial. And that's a really good example of that. Before we break, you know, I, I want to know, you know, what do you have going on right now? Is there anything, you know, if people want to reach out to you or, or play matches or something like that, where can they reach out to you? And are there any organizations that you want to shout out while you're here? Uh, if they want to talk to me specifically, then they can always um, add me as a friend on Discord. I'll just give it out publicly. I don't mind. It's 40 flash kick, which is just four zero flash kick number nine, three, six, four. If you want to talk to me on Twitter, there's the at 40 flash kick and, you know, Facebook, it's just, if you type in 40% flash kick, you will find me. As for organizations, the SRN team's always been good to me, Team Seraphim. The Battle Angels, as they're called. They're very strong players who all have had ups and downs in their history of play that have put them against some of the best players in the world. And they've either come out on top or they've almost come out on top enough to the point where we're like, hey, you know, you think, we think we know, you know what you're doing. So let's get together and work and make something uh, happen between, you know? If you've seen Christian Koble, when he came and played, he just mopped the floor with everyone, but then we put on a hell of a show in the grand finals. Yeah, I'm hoping you can get him back out there again to compete because there were some good games. 
Thank you so much for joining. You guys are watching this. Wherever you are watching this, make sure you do subscribe, all the good stuff as well. Um, we do online tournaments every Thursday. Right now, obviously 40% flash kicks in there, but you can go on our Discord or just look up the Kalamazoo FGC. You'll find us on Facebook, stuff like that. Uh, yeah, every every single Thursday until at least this COVID situation is done with, we're gonna be doing them online to help keep you guys entertained and uh, staying strong in your games. So that said, thank you guys so much and I will see you all in the next one.